morning. It is really good to sing together, isn't it? We are in harmony with one another in unity, and I think that pleases God when we do that. So I'm Mark Fesmeyer, if you haven't met me, and we are in a study of 1 Corinthians 15. We're talking about the gospel, which is good news. And if you've been with us, you know I've been saying it is news. It is about events that have happened in our world that have changed it. And uh, it says a couple times when Paul introduces the beginning of this chapter, when he says those events, he says this. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then he says, and he was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He says that twice. And the point is that this is all a part of God's plan. So I, I thought we should take a look at that. And this chart is too tiny because you can't get it all in on one page and have the words be big enough. So we're going to need some help to do that. So I need some people to help me. So I could have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If I need seven people, but one of you has to have a cell phone. And you need to bring your cell phone with. Come on, I need seven people. Just come forward. Yes. Okay, Tim, you get to stand here. You get to hold this. Yeah, I'm here, right there. Do you right there? Right there. Okay. Do you have a cell? No. Okay. Okay. Then I get. You get to hold this. You're gonna love this. You get to hold the snake. You stand right there. Okay. And then. Uh, um. You got the cell phone? Okay. Okay, you stand here. You get to hold this. Okay. No, 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 here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Okay. Let's see. We are up to... Okay. You get to hold this. Okay. And you get to hold this. I need one more person. One more person. Come up. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. You just hold that like that. Okay. So now, so let's, where does this start? This starts with creation. Right? God, hold it up high. God made the world. He called it into existence. He put man in place, and he said rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky. And so the glorious creation. And then, hold up the snake. The fall, people fell, and evil ended in the world, and this world changed forever. And then it got so bad that God flooded the world. So she's underwater. And uh, he flooded the world because it had been so corrupt. And then Noah when his family were saved. And then the next story, we get the Tower of Babel. And the next story is, hold up, hold your we get the call of Abraham. Abraham gets a call from God and says, I'm going to bless you and in you all the families of the earth. So this, this beginning of God's changing the world happened with this call of Abraham. And then, hold up the Bible, and then we have the whole story of Israel. 
So you've got the story of, of Abraham's descendants. You've got Isaac and Jacob, and then they end up down in Egypt, and they get called out of Egypt. And so there's the Exodus, and then after the Exodus, they go through the wilderness, and then they get to the promised land. You have the judges, and you have the kings, and you have good kings, and you have bad kings, and they end up in exile, and then they end back in the land. And then we get to this place where, according at the right time, at this perfect time, Jesus comes, and he was crucified and buried and rose again. And then the next thing that happens is we have this whole church represented by our bulletin. The whole church is this, this, this beautiful picture of, of God bringing Jew and Gentile together, as, as Paul says in Ephesians. And that's where we are. And what's next? We talked about it last week. The very next thing on everybody's timetable, they put a whole bunch of stuff in it. You guys can sit down now. Thanks. I need these back, though. Except the cell phone. You can keep the cell phone. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So at the right time, this happens. And, and the next thing is Jesus comes back. And after that, what? What's next? So there's lots of stuff that, you know, you, you read Revelation, and there's lots of different ways that you interpret that. But at the very end of Revelation, it, it says this. It says, first things are done. It's like the prologue or the foreword in a book. That's done. So what's next? And what are you going to pack? I mean, think about any place that you go when you're traveling a distance. Usually, you kind of look ahead, like, maybe check the weather. What's it going to be like? What clothes do I need to take? Or you think in terms of, well, if it's a foreign country, what customs do they have? What kind of language am I going to run into? What customs will I come into? You plan and think ahead. Well, what's ahead for us? Well, when we talk about the gospel, that's what we're talking about, is this good news has come into the world. This event happened. All of these things, they're not just stories in the book. They're our history, the history of this world, of the people and humanity here. This, these, All these events happened. And so what's ahead? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Because we're going to go back to what Paul has to say about not just Jesus' resurrection, but our resurrection. So would you just pray with me for a moment, ask the Lord to show you something from his word, and then I'll pray for us. Father, there is so much that you have ahead for us, and we don't know even the half of it. Father, would you help us see with fresh eyes words that we are familiar with so that we might be even more fervent in our love and our service of you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we ended with this. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And we talked about how Paul was concerned that the church would be drawn into thinking incorrectly about the resurrection. Remember, for the Greeks, the idea of a resurrected body was crazy. 
And if you think about it, you know, there were people who had been raised from the dead in Jesus' time, and there were people who were raised from the dead in, like, Elisha's time. But um, in all of those situations, they were raised back to a physical body like we have now. And eventually all of those people died, even though they had been raised. So we can get this wrong idea about what a resurrected body would be like. And Paul's warning them, you're going to get drawn in to thinking the way the world around you does. And he says, become sober-minded. Think clearly about this. Wake up and think clearly about this and stop sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. So when Jesus was talking with his disciples, he said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that was not manipulative. You know, sometimes it says, well, if you loved me, you know, have you ever had somebody play that card on you? Well, if you loved me, you'd do what I wanted you to do. That's not manipulative. He is stating a fact that if you identify with me, if you love me, you will obey me. You will do the things I say. Remember, we talked a little bit about community. Who you identify as my people shape you. This is how we, we function. This is how we live. And that is a part of your character. If you had a family that said, well, we don't do that in this family, that shaped you. But you were drawn into community. And so when Paul says you have no knowledge of God, he is talking about their understanding and knowing who God is. When you understand who God is, you look at sin differently. You see it for what it is, the cheat and the, the emptiness. So he says, you have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And so then he switches back to kind of going after this issue of resurrection. So some of them will say, well, how are the dead raised? And what kind of body do they come back with? Like what, what, what they're thinking is, much like I said before, that if you just get another round of a body like you have that's going to fall apart, what good is that? And Paul says, you fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And so he's talking about analogies. He's going to make a series of analogies that will help them understand our resurrection. And that's what helps us. I want you to think about this with me. This is what is ahead for us as followers of Jesus, this good promise. So he says this, he said, that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. So if you plant a seed, the seed disappears and you get a plant. You don't get the seed back, you get a plant. And you think of all, all the different kinds of things that we can grow in the world. You get, you know, vegetables and fruit and all the different kinds of things, and we're familiar with that. You sow something, it disappears, and you get a plant that results from it. And so then he says, all flesh is not the same, but there is one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another of fish. So you have all different kinds of human, uh, human and animal and bodies, and they're all different. So think about that. It's all different. Just go to the grocery store and Go through the meat department. It's all different. So, and then he says this, there are also 
heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another. Now, he's going to start talking about stars. We'll get there in a minute. You might think he's talking about stars here. I don't think so. I think this is kind of a prelude to what he's going to say in the next about the difference between our bodies now and then. And there is a glory to it. But then he goes to talking about the sun and the moon. So there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star and glory. All you have to do is go out at night and you can see all the different things that we can see. Some things are very faint, but that's because they're so far away. But you can see you can see Jupiter and you can see Mars and you can see Venus. Hard to see Pluto, even though it's not a planet anymore, according to some. But there's all these different kinds of things, and they have their own unique glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. So he's saying, you've got all these different ways of seeing these differences. So let's talk about what it means to have a resurrected body. First, he says, it is sown a perishable body and it is raised an imperishable body. You, you know about the frailty of your body. You know it can get sick. You know you can get hurt. You know you can get wounded. And as you get older, you have creaks that you hear that you didn't hear when you were younger. You know, like now when I get down and I stand up, I can hear my knees creak sometimes. I, I didn't, they didn't creak before. Now they do. And if you're too young to know that, just trust me, one day you will get to have the joys of musical knees. So, but that's not ahead for us. It's going to be an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Um, if you think about it, bodies deteriorate. They decay. That's why we bury bodies or cremate them because you you don't you don't keep them around. That's not a good thing. So it is sown in 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 that way, but it's going to be raised in glory. It's going to be raised amazing glory. We that word is hard for us. You know we we we, we don't know what that means. But if you think about even the verses that we do know about the shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. Like glory is this amazing brilliance, beauty, awesomeness, and we're going to be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Now, human beings have an amazing capacity. They were made to rule by God and they have capacity. I mean, People can accomplish amazing things. Think of athletes and the things that they can develop the ability to do. And think of, of inventors and the things that they have created and the ability that we have to do amazing, amazing things. But that still pales in the power of God. And so we are sown in weakness. Our disabilities, our, our frailty and were raised in power. What would you do with 
real power. You, know, I haven't, you ever played the game like, what superpower would you like and what would you do with it? You know, you could, what, what is it going to be like? Well, we're going to be raised with power. And finally, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. The word natural here um, that's translated from the Greek really is the word soul. So it's not so much nature, but kind of our, our capacity separated from God. God has given human beings an ability to act and function, body, soul, and spirit. You know, we all have that. And so it's sown this natural body, this, this kind of just the way we are without God, but it is raised a spiritual body. Not like, don't think in terms of immaterial. Think of capable of functioning with God forever. So here's a, here's a little chart of the contrast. And what I'm wanting you to sense is when we talk about our resurrection, when we talk about what it's going to be like for all eternity. Remember how we talked about in, in there's this, we get this idea that it, we just go away and God blows everything up here, and that's not what happens. There's a new heaven and a new earth, and we are going to reign with Jesus. We have meaningful things to do for all eternity. Like I said, at the end of Revelation, it says, first things are done. Your life is not over, and then we go to an eternal Florida retirement home. That's not what's ahead for us. We will have meaningful, glorious activity to do in the company of God and Jesus with each other forever. It is truly unimaginable. So that's why Paul says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. That's how he wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter to them, an eternal weight of glory. All of the challenges, all of the difficulties all of the struggle that we go through now is merely preparation. It's merely training. It's merely orienting ourselves in the process of being ready for the real story that is yet ahead of us. What did it say of Jesus? For the joy set before him. There is so much Ahead for us. And that's why Paul says this in the beginning of 1 Corinthians. He says, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Do you understand, brothers and sisters, you haven't imagined even the slightest bit of the goodness that God has for you. It is beyond your ability right now to comprehend. Remember how we're going, where we're going at the end of this chapter, when we get to the end of 1 Corinthians, we're going to see those verses 
Therefore, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. Everything you and I do now is a part of preparing us for that and inviting other people to be a part of that and to help them understand what is ahead of us. Nothing, nothing here, nothing apart from what God is doing is even remotely worth it. So, we have hope. Hope is this anticipation of something good, of something amazing. We anticipate a glorious future. So, how do we pack? Well, the first thing I want to encourage you in is to recognize that sin is alien to the culture of heaven. I'm not saying that to manipulate you, and I'm not saying that to chastise you. I'm encouraging you to recognize that as you identify with Jesus, what he said about, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, you're going to begin to recognize sin for what it is. I would hazard a guess that none of you eat out of a garbage can. And we feel sad if we see somebody eating out of a garbage can. And yet when we choose to sin or when we turn to sin, it's like that. And as we get to know God better, we begin to recognize that. And we ask God to help us not be drawn to things that aren't worthy to be drawn to. Second, learn to pray. Do you understand what Jesus means when he says, he says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. The Father will do it. Do you I know I don't believe that because if I did, I'd ask a whole lot more than I do. I would hazard a guess that none of us practices that on a daily basis where we believe that I can pray in Jesus' name and something will happen. But do you realize that that's a part of God preparing you for all eternity? You don't, you don't give a chainsaw to your three-year-old. God is preparing you to reign with power. Remember, you are going to be raised with power. What are you going to do with it? Part of the way you prepare to rule and reign with God forever is by your prayer life now. Because the things that you pray for and learn how to pray in Jesus' name is how you identify with what God is doing. You have the ability to change the environment around you. And I'm preaching at myself just as much as I'm preaching at you because I don't practice that with the regularity and with the, the intensity that I can or should. Learn how to pray. Recognize that that's a part of your preparation for all eternity. And finally, get to know God. Not get to know about God. 
you can read books about people, you know, you can read biographies and they're fascinating, but just because you've read the biography of a person doesn't mean you know them. You don't have a relationship with them because of that, but you and I are invited into having an actual relationship with God where we know him. We have a relationship with him. We recognize what he is saying to us. We hear him. And we talk with him. You're planning on spending eternity with him. You might want to get acquainted before you move in. I'm just saying. So we have this glorious future ahead of us. And God is inviting us to rule and reign with him forever in unending new adventures of beautiful activity without the presence of sin and darkness and despair and death and tears. I'm in. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. You have given us so much to be thankful for and so much to look ahead for. May we delight in that, and may we orient ourselves toward that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.